If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. And if you're a first-timer, thank you so very much for joining us for the Game Dev Unchained podcast, the number one source for video game development news and information on the lifestyle and happenings of game developers. My name is Larry Charles. If this is the first time hearing my voice, say hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Uh, You know I can't do this alone. I bring him back every week because, I mean, it takes two to tango, right? Mr. Brandon Phil. Hey, always here and happy to dance with you, Larry. This is Brandon Fan for this week. I have brought two special guests <laughs> this week. It's Darren Katz and Philip Langenberg. Hello, hello. You got it. Hello. I got it. You got it. Yeah, What's up, guys? Uh, not much. Uh, thank you for having us here. It's a lovely uh, Wednesday evening. Um, very much looking forward to being on. I've been listening to your podcast. I listened to, uh, I think almost four now and I love, I love the dynamic between you two. Um, reminds me a lot of, uh, Phil and myself. So looking forward to tonight. Yeah. Well, why would show. you say, hold on, wait, why would you say that we remind you of Phil and yourself? What kind of hold connection on. do we have I'm in common? <laughs> I'm assuming he means, are you, are you guys the married couple basically? Is that- <laughs> you guys, how many is this for you? Like, uh, I know you. Yeah, Still so you, you you had your year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. But yeah, anytime you do something like this with somebody for over and over, consistent, and congratulations on the consistency. I know how hard that is. Um, you get to know them, and you you build a special relationship, right? Am I am I wrong, or do you guys have that? Uh, we're still that in a hate each other face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're we're we'll get into it, but we're we're five years in, so uh, we we went through that phase, yeah. and and came out the other end. So now you just yeah. accept each other's bullshit. And we, like, yes, we just sigh and this and is my partner. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, I mean, exactly. I can we stay together for the kids. <laughs> I can surely say that this is the first time we have professional podcasters on our yeah. podcast, so it's great for you guys to join us. Um, this week's topic, a little bit, we're gonna we're gonna go into your history, as well as community management at where you guys are right now, uh, just the social networking part of it. But before I butcher any further of what you guys do, uh, do you guys mind going over your resume, either or, or both? No, I can. Uh, Phil, you want me to do a quick rundown of? Yeah, yeah, do it. You can obviously interject. Um, there are things from. You know, four, five, six years ago that Phil and I see differently (laughs) certain events in our history that uh, he has his perspective, I have mine. But it's all right. I'll do a quick rundown. Um, Phil and I actually met online in 2009. We were playing a game. It's a mod uh, called MechWarrior Living Legends. Um, We both just, uh, he found it before I did. I found it, started looking for a unit to join, found Phil. This is one of the areas where he disagrees. He thinks he recruited me, but whatever. Um, (laughs) We ended up playing together in this uh, this game, having a lot of fun, and uh, we we just note you know noticed we had a rapport with each other and and a lot of similar interests. Which, if anybody is not familiar with Mech Warrior Living Legends or Mech Warrior in general, that's kind of the 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 binding point for Phil and I. We're both friends of the BattleTech and uh, or fans, I should say, of the BattleTech and Mech Warrior franchise, which goes back to the early. Uh, 80s with the tabletop and so forth. Um, and so that's where our bond has been. And, and also, basically, everything moving forward from 2009 has been because of both Battletech and MechWarrior. Um, but we both became uh, devs on that mod team. It was about, from any given time, it was 20 to 30 people. Um, you know, very active for a, a mod group, which I was amazed. It was a great experience um, for both of us. I think Phil did some 3D modeling. Uh, we b- were both testers um, and just a nice initiation into uh, 
you know, just the idea of development and, and what it takes behind the scenes. Um, but then in October 2011, Piranha Games announced the launch of MechWarrior Online. We didn't know at the time what it was, but it basically uh, got Phil and I both really excited. We had already started a community group called No Guts, No Galaxy, um, which was basically a TeamSpeak server to bring people together from MechWarrior Living Legends to hang out, build uh, units together, you know, game groups or whatever, and have a central place for everybody to hang out. Um, and we just thought it would be a natural transition at that point to start a podcast. We, you know, wasn't any intention of, uh, you know, it turning into a financial, you know, benefit or, or getting jobs or anything. It was just because we love it and had things to talk about. And so uh, we did that. Now, Phil, you had some podcast experience before that. I don't know if you want to bring that in. Yeah, I've done a few podcasts with uh, my buddy Greg uh, on EVE Online. And um, so we sort of used that format and then it just sort of evolved. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you guys are familiar with like, how comfortable you are bringing up topics so the dynamic between you two and how to and you know we've i've listened to the podcast a few times now like back then and i cringe because i'm like oh, one yeah. we're awkward <laughs> it sounds horrible like and, and we talked for hours about like the same and, but i mean that's you got to start learning process yeah no yeah. doubt about it do you guys ever go back and listen to your episodes one two and three <laughs> i haven't done that for a while actually i i kind of <laughs> every I'll once say, i'll say this thinking about it it's inspiring oh. like you to see where you are to see the bottom like oh man that's yeah we're actually we're doing pretty well now well it's but, crazy uh, we have probably i mean we're up to 148 as far as our main podcast but we've had a, a lot of side podcasts over the years i would say we've probably done 170 or more podcasts and every once in a while we get somebody coming in and saying they went back and listened to every podcast since number one <laughs> number i first of all amazing i can't believe it totally embarrassing because those old podcasts are so terrible but uh anyway yeah so that was the launch of the podcast we've been we started uh i don't know what well five years ago october 31st so um i don't know why we we launched on halloween night i don't remember i think it's because we hate children at heart <laughs> <We're anti -kids. laughs> don't go out trick-or-treating listen to our podcast but uh, were, there, were there doorbells like all through your podcast i know that's what i'm trying to remember like i feel like there should have been but i don't remember that uh, being an, an issue. But anyway, we started the podcast. It's been five years. Um, basically, for the first year, we just did the podcast. Uh, we did it consistently every week, um, but it was totally a hobby. Um, Phil had a side job. I was taking out loans, um, you know, basically living in debt. Um, and, it, you know, it was a total passion project. We had a lot of fun. Started uh, developing a relationship with the uh, developer Piranha Games, who was developing MechWarrior Online at the time. And after about a year, we started getting support from them. Um, basically, it started off with them sending various devs to be on the podcast, um, giving us some exclusives every once in a while. And uh, that relationship eventually turned into us being contracted by, uh, at the time, their their um, publisher, which was, um, IGP, um, who they're now they're self-published. So that's no longer uh, the situation. We're now contracted directly from PGI and have been working for them for about four years. And, um, yeah, and that relationship still developing, as I mentioned, uh, to you guys before we started, um, Phil is actually involved in some of the game design uh, development end of it, and I've branched out more into like the marketing and promotions um, area. And then we have the stuff that we come together on, which is still the the podcasts, and we do the big community roundtables. And um, you know, we're pretty much like we wear a lot of hats. Obviously, um, you you were talking about uh, you know community. I mean, we called ourselves community builders, but community management, whatever, same kind of idea. Idea. Um, we like to build the community. Uh, be that bridge between the developer and the community. And uh, yeah, we enjoy everything that we're doing. It's been a hell of a wild ride and looking forward to much more to come. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Phil, did I miss anything? Uh, do we need to give them our socials? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't <laughs> know. If, um, no, I, I already did that. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy ride and looking at especially coming from the fan perspective with no industry experience, uh, no background experience in like podcasts and or anything like in the grand. And of course, thank you guys. We I, dude, we got called professionals by them. I know. I mean, I was like, like, all right. Like you guys have no idea. Um, you guys you know, the call us that, by the way. Yeah. And, and it's been it's been a crazy ride. And it's uh, being on the inside, which is just a whole nother 
ball game. It's a whole nother perspective that we've gained. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think we take for granted now, but looking back at, uh, you know, being We're that super fan, lucky. right. You know, I'm, so no doubt about it. I mean, we had neither one of us had experience other than working on the, the mod team for living legends. Uh, neither of us had, you know, went to school for it. Um, other than, you know, I've been playing video games since literally pong came out. Um, you know, no, industry experience. And so we've transitioned over the last five years from total uh, fanboys, essentially, to uh, developers. And it's been a crazy transition, learning the the inside, you know, uh, how things work, production, um, everything. It's been it's been amazing. And, and yeah, we're we feel very uh, lucky and super happy to have had the experience. I love that you guys start with a passion project, you put in the consistency, and then it actually is like, hey, we, we noticed you guys do this cool thing. Why don't you come join our team and like actually be a part of it? That must have been quite an email to open or a phone call or however they first contacted you. What Lots was that like? Calls. Can, you, can you take us yeah. back to that moment and just walk us through? I remember specifically because I was I was working at a nuclear uh, power plant and I was doing security there. Just graduated from college, got this you know four year <laughs> bachelor's degree. Couldn't find a teaching job to save my life, so here I am doing security, um, which you know played into my military background. So that was cool. But I was working fourteen hour days, coming home, and on Wednesdays we did the podcast. And I remember at the time being really tired and you know just like you know, my one hour of freedom I was spending with the podcast and then like, then like going back and listening, just we hearing me. We had podcast we shouldn't have done. <laughs> we, the, the reason I bring this up is like, we got to a point where time investment to like, just, it, it got to the culmination where we had to reach out and we reached out to Ross uh, via email and we're like, hey, we really love what we're doing. Prana. Yeah, Prana game, sorry. Um, and we really love what we're doing. We really love what you guys are doing and we'd like to take you know, continue this road, but financially versus our time investment, we like, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to die, you know, sort of thing. And he said, you know, Hey, I really love what you guys are doing. Let me sit you guys down with our, you know, IGP and marketing director. And it was crazy because again, you know, we're like, Oh shit. So this is actually it. You know, like a thing that's possibly going to happen. And we, we basically just laid out an ultimatum. It was, you know, we love this. We want to keep doing it. We have and we had tons of plans for expansion and more things we wanted to do for community building. We we laid all that out and said either we need, you know, su- direct support from you guys or we're going to have to stop doing this as regularly as we are, which was painful. And, and we went we weren't forcing the ultimatum because we were, you know, dicks or anything like that. It was just literally because, like Phil said, I mean, he was there was times where. We just did not want to do the podcast. We were both exhausted. We like, you know, we no financial return on it whatsoever. Um, and we'd been doing it for a year. Um, and so it was just really, we had to lay everything out on the line. T- to answer your question, though, the way it went down, tons of fist pumping that day. I was, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, just the, you know, being able to tell my wife, we're actually going to get paid to do what we're doing. And granted, it's been a, you know, it wasn't instant overnight, like, comfort yeah. levels as far as you know how much we're making or whatever um it, it started off on the lower end and, and we still you know still had to pull in other income and um you know really had to tighten our belts for quite a few years a couple years at least um and just keep working i mean we would you know it's it's kind of the the uh squeaky wheel thing you know we'd keep going and saying here's the stuff we're doing and we just keep adding we kept adding and adding content expanding our youtube channel expanding what we're doing with twitch uh community efforts we were we had an animation going we had a weekly uh you know web comic we were just we we wouldn't we were workaholics um you know working seven days a week we lived and breathed this stuff not healthy for us physically um but we were also working kind of our dream jobs and didn't want it to stop we wanted to keep going and so it's been a lot of um effort on our parts and going back and having continued meetings and this is what we're doing now and we want to be able to do more but to be able to do this you know we need continued and increased support and so forth and 
to be honest, uh, Russ Bullock over at Prana Games and, and just everybody involved have been uh, nothing but uh, amazing the whole way and, and have always done whatever they can. And we're at a point now where we can afford to do what we're doing. And, um, you know, I tell people all the time, it's the best job I've ever had. I've been training for it, I feel like, since 1984 when I first bought the tabletop of Battletech. Um, with all the different, you know, things I've done in my my time, I feel very much like it led to this point. So we got very lucky and, and very blessed. You got very lucky after years and yeah. years and years. So. <laughs> we put in our time, but still, you yeah. know how it is, right? I mean, yeah. it, uh, the game industry is one of those businesses like uh, maybe, you know, Hollywood or music or whatever. Everybody wants to do it. Um, and they because of misconceptions, I think, a lot of times of what they think working in the gaming industry is. Um and there's just not a lot of, you know, not a lot of jobs available. And the ones that are, you know, also the, the revolving doors. I mean, we have a lot of friends now that are at various uh, companies and it can be brutal, man. I the mean, competition, I think competition, too. I mean, you got to look at everyone wants to be a designer, right, until they become a designer or everyone wants to draw the cool, you know, characters yeah. uh, until they have to draw, you know, something they don't want to. And every single day, yeah, and you here's the chair. And chair or texture the chair. Have fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's been an amazing ride. Um, it's it's. I don't consider it a job, which is weird, but it is because it's a hobby. It's a passion for me and Darren. But you know, now sometimes you know we have deadlines. Like, hey, we have to have this ready, or we have to have this submitted, and. Um, so that's been a shift in a sort of juggling process and a definitely a learning experience for sure. So, Phil, I have a quick, funny question for you for all the older guys who are, or girls who are listening to our podcast. So you said you used to work in a nuclear power plant? Yes. So how many neon golden rods did you find on the back of your shirt when you got home? <laughs> that's I just got to know. <laughs> Does no, that even uh, have it? <laughs> no, no. It, it's actually, it was sort of an eye-opening experience, like, going there. Um, uh, I was in the Marines for four years, 2002, 2006, and so you've got a ton of ex-military there, and that's pretty much how the organization ran. So, like, I, I was a shoo-in. College grad, flew through, like, the testing and all that, blah, 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 and then, oh, okay, yeah, it's just like how it was back in the day. Um, it's a big st giant steam engine. That's all it is. Like, I didn't know that. I thought it was like Simpsons radio, you know, no, yeah. no but you also hated your job. I mean, by after towards the end, you're just like, Oh my God, I'm, you know, it's boring, right? Just yeah, it, it was mind numbing. I, I could yeah. definitely, it was one of those where I Our just podcasts were mind numbing to some people too, but I, yeah. I, yeah, it's still are, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, no, I, um, it, it was, it was interesting. Um, and you want to talk about money being made in that industry. Nuclear, it's it's a different beast in general. Or just clean. Just ask no. Homer Simpson. Yeah. I don't know about clean energy. <laughs> but still going. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, okay, what, man. One of the greatest stuff that I'm hearing from you guys is that people tend to forget that uh, I, I think a lot of people have misconceptions, especially when they're working AAA, trying to go on on their own or do something on the side job. They feel like it might happen for maybe a short amount of time, right? They, they're like, All right, I'm gonna try it for a year and see what happens. Mm. But in actuality, it could be a year and a half or two years before anything happens. Mm. And uh, the thing is, when I, I talk to those people who are even afraid to take the jump to try something, a passion project of some sort, is that they forget that two, three years is gonna pass anyways, right? Mm. So even if you stick with something, two, three years, you're just gonna be exactly where you are or you could be somewhere else. But if you just do nothing at all, you're definitely gonna be where you are instead of having possibilities like what you guys have been doing. Like putting in the time, man, yeah, has certainly paid off. I'm one to always tell people to jump at their dreams, but I've been working for myself since I was 20 years old. And, and, you know, I, I was in the music industry. I was in other uh, segments of the entertainment industry. And I was always pursuing something that I felt I could, you know, I like the entertainment side of things. Um, and to a fault, I think I was always pursuing, pursuing something that was a passion for me and something that, you know, was one of those um, jobs where, you know, people who are in it always say, you know, you're lucky to have it or whatever, that career. Um, and it took me really until this particular job working for Piranha Games to where I finally felt comfortable. I've been struggling for a long time uh, running my own businesses. And so... 
it could have easily happened that I didn't find this situation and, and my own personal success here. Um, and I know people that have struggled their entire lives and, and don't find success. But I do believe if you have a passion and a dream, and I see it with uh, people we work with all the time, YouTubers, Twitch streamers, whatever, whether it's a game industry related to the game industry or not. Um, I do feel like if you have a passion, if you have a dream, I'm the kind of person to say, pursue it, just jump. If you, if you don't, you're always going to regret it. You know, I know that's an easy thing to say, but it's, you know, if it's really a passion, then it's true. If your passion is just security and, you know, the paycheck and, and not having, then, uh, you know, do the do the schooling, do whatever, get a secure job. But uh, I definitely pe tell people most of the time, take the risk if you have a passion. Well, it's Brennan, you I think what you said applies to not only like work, but anything in life. I mean, whether it's health and fitness, whether it's a hobby, maybe you like to paint or whatever. I mean, how many people just never actually risk? that because either failure potentially uh time investment like oh i have to do that every week or i have to do that every single day but i think that's what also separates is a cliche doers from you know it, it's the idea that you have people out there <laughs> like no it's, it's the idea that like um darren working with him over the years has, has been an amazing a challenge. We know. It, yeah, it's a challenge, but like, <laughs> all jokes aside, it, right, but like, <laughs> one thing he has always pushed and it's behind the scenes, and, and maybe we don't talk about it and relate to everyone, even on our own podcast, but Darren said something that stuck with me, and he says, we want to become indispensable. We mm -hmm. want to be so integral uh, to the integral, team, the whole, integral, yeah, yeah. Um, to He's the team. The creator of words. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we we need to be that they they can't live without us, and uh, and I think every single thing we do, whether it's it's uh, you know Twitch podcast, uh, you know design, any of this is to really, and and I guess that just sort of comes bit down to like work ethic and, and work ethic, and um, yeah, you may not have success at at the beginning and you even may not have it in the long run but i guess in life do you just never do anything because it may not happen or pan out the way you wanted it and i feel like that would that be a shitty way to live i don't i don't yeah. know like me For personally people, yeah Dude, like those, and, are, those are chains man those are those are chains that people place on themselves that keep absolutely. them right where they are that's what I was going to say. I think a lot of times, and maybe you guys can relate with this, is that we are our own worst enemies. And and mm -hmm. self-doubt can just become a monster. And I battle with this, all, you know, all the time. Uh, you know, it's it's literally, it's a mindset. And you've got to just say, I can, you know, it, again, it, it has to be, you know, you have to have the the opportunities and the skills and so forth in place. But, um, yeah, it's I think we're all our worst enemies. But um, one thing I want to touch on real quick is just as far as, chasing opportunities i'm i think it's safe to say i'm the oldest one here i'm 44 years old um i didn't even get into this business industry until basically i was you know late 30s um so even for people that are older there's opportunity and obviously if you're younger you have way more years to make it happen um so i just i totally agree man if 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 you have a passion because that's really where this started for phil and i it was literally 100 passion project um so we knew that was there and that's why we were able to make ourselves indispensable like phil said uh because we had so much passion we put so much work i mean we were doing you know at the beginning 12 hour days to seven days a week we we're everything that we could do it was exhausting you know but um here we are exactly <laughs> yeah, man, I always, I just want to jump in. I've always said, and this comes like, I guess is the last comment on this, but you know, there's a lot of people who I'll talk to them and I'll be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to do this. Or they'll tell me something that someone else is doing. And then they give me like 20 to 25 negative reasons why that person is not going to be successful or why things that are randomly going to happen. Like they can foresee all of this bad stuff that's going to keep them in their place. And I feel like a lot of people are just too dang smart to take a risk because it's like, 
oh, well, mm-hmm. obviously he's going to have to deal with this and he's going to have to deal with that and he's going to do this and this isn't going to work and then that. And I'm always like, if you're so smart that you see all this stuff that's going to happen that hasn't happened yet, then how can you not just figure out a game plan, a game plan to solve those things, right? Like if you can, if you're smart enough or cognizant enough to have all of this negative, like you can foresee you're some sort of oracle who knows that it's going to be this that leads to downfall. And you know that today. It's like, well, then... If you know the guy's gonna throw a punch, you know to duck. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. well, if you're if you're that smart, then why don't you figure it out? You should be the one who's more successful. Hey, it's way easier to talk ourselves out of doing hard things than it is to talk ourselves into it. And like I said, I still struggle with that today. And and I so I understand it. I, it's a it's it's ridiculous that we do that to ourselves. Um, but yeah, it's 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 understandable. But I I agree. I think if you have the smarts to foresee that, you have the smarts to make it happen. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely want to go back to uh, when we were talking about this. So you guys put in the time, right, to get to the point where you're consistent. Uh, I'm sure at some point, too, uh, even if you guys were the pioneers for, for, for the game that you guys are doing it for, um, at what point did you face competition? Were there another pair of Darren and Philip <laughs> that you guys were competing their the attention for? like, Or was it, like, completely open season just for you guys? And- open Open season, complete, pretty yeah, much. complete open season, and we did have. I mean, a later, of, yeah, like we were at least over a year into doing the podcast, and there were no other BattleTech MechWare podcasts. Keep like, in mind, it, you know, you guys mentioned AAA, and I and I don't know what projects you're working on, but uh, MechWare Online is very much a niche game, and mm-hmm. that's one of the great. It's <clears throat> it's it's one of the difficult things, but it's also one of the great things about it. It's been around, like I said, since uh, 83, 84. Um, as far as tabletop, there's been, a, you know, a ton of video game iterations uh there's been over 100 novels um card you know card game etc it's just it's a very big universe not quite star wars but there's still very uh avid followers and 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 just super dedicated community so the downside is there's not as much you know, many as big of a play base player base as a triple A game. But then the plus side is that with something as niche as this, they very much support the game. So the the smaller number of players, you know, basically keep it alive. And so that's why we basically had free reign. We started, we were the only podcast for a year. A couple others popped up because it, it looked easy kind of, I think, you know, a lot of times people think things are easy when they see somebody succeeding, especially well. in the beginning. We did, there were a few others, and one of them being from a group from 4chan, and oh, wow. it was very, very, we tried, we did actually support all of them, or at least tried to, but then when you would have those said individuals just basically go on just, you know, rants about, you know, the devs Talk or other, I mean, yeah. just straight up douchebaggery, yeah. and um, we just couldn't support it, and one, uh, to be clear, one of the things that I've always pushed is having a positive learning experience in a community out there because as soon as you as soon as you let trollish behavior become the norm you're conceding that it's okay and so we did have a few other podcasts and we also tried to support um Baronet uh, that's another podcast that we've we've tried to but then they stopped and they were never like you know, we've talked about they, they never seem to want to put their name out there. They weren't posting on social media. They weren't creating even some of the social media. And it was just more of just a passion, fun thing that they did. But no one ever really said, we want to be serious and tackle this. We were way, I guess we the did. mountaintops, you know, like, I mean, we, we made sure to use every form of social media we could. We made, you know, we pushed ourselves where, I mean, we worked this thing. We hit the pavement, you know, and, and, and did everything that we could to build a name, to get more listeners, to get more followers, to get people to our YouTube, to get people to our Twitch, et cetera, et cetera. And we very much wanted to also be a platform for other people that were coming in. But like I said, it's a niche game. So, you know, there really wasn't. I wouldn't say room for because it's not like we were pushing anybody out of the way because we wanted the only spotlight. Um, but it's just. It, um, but it re- did drive us to say if someone was doing something and it was better, we would have a little meeting and say we need to do that. Whether whether it had to do with a podcast or website or mm-hmm. Twitch, an overlay, a sound, and that's another thing too is, can we do it better? And yeah. always asking ourselves, and so when something would pop up, or and I even I, we still do this, uh, with, especially Twitch and technology the integration and stuff like that. Um, oh, hey, cool! I like how they have that uh, viewer 
pop-up or a follower or a sub sub thing. And then I would go and I'll look because if you don't adapt and you don't make yourself better, then someone else is going to do it. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, that's been another part of the, the success as well. Yeah. I have conversations like these all the time with Larry. If something pops up that is better, I always pull him aside. Like, how do we Tanya Harding her or him? (laughs) (laughs) No, what I mean, like at the very beginning, right. When we first came out and it's like a friendly competition, right? There was a few podcasts, one in particular, and I know Larry uh, knows which one I'm talking about, but like there was one particular podcast that started like on the same day as we did. And once in a while I check in on it. Uh, just to see how how yourself as a podcaster is gauging, right? Not nothing crazy, sure. nothing. Just just keeping note. And it, I think it was around episode forty or something. And it was an episode <laughs> was like, do I like doing this anymore? As in the podcast. So oh, yeah. already in self doubt. I was like, yes. <laughs> so <on that> last <laughs> we made it through. We made it past a mountain. So it's not like yeah. wishing death or anything. You know, of course, we support anyone that wants to do this. But it's more like, you know, self gauge because it yeah. it is a tough thing to do one hour a week. If we look back, it's like I'm glad I put in an hour a week or two hours a week because we've gotten so far. But like during the moment, it's like it's just a completely new habit and you got to introduce it. And it's like you, if you don't know where it's going and you can kind of see where it's at, it's like, is it worth the investment? Right. So there is a particular time and it doesn't have to be podcasting, but anything on a anything. side project. Yeah. Anything at all. You're, it takes you're looking, effort. It takes a lot of effort. Like there's you, you look at your full time job that you're getting paid for and then you look at this thing that you're doing with your friend. It has no idea. promise and hope, and and you guys can dream, but you really don't know where it's going to end up. It, yeah. You know, and, Not and I think count. <laughs> so you're just looking at him, yeah. and you're just like, yeah, you know, right now it's just I'm hanging out with a friend. I love doing it. That's why I'm doing it. But exactly. how much longer, you know? That's same. And 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 I think what's tough too is we're so used to instantaneous gratification, yeah, dude. True. I just got an iPhone seven. This thing's fucking amazing. I upgraded from an iPhone four S. Oh but, man, that's yeah, yeah. And, that's and, big but upgrade. I, mean, I guess God. my point being is like I can click on something and it's instantly there. What's yeah. you know like hey Siri, what's this? Blah blah blah. And you know, boom. It's the the thing with anything. What what gives you the most gratification? And was it easy to get to that? And I would say the majority of times, no. Oh, you want to be, you know, uh, successful at something. Well, it's a lot of time and effort into. It. Oh, you want to be um, health and you know fit. You want to you, you want to run that half marathon. You want to run that business. You want to build that, you know, old car. None of that was quick, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like that's another part to life is we're so used to, or people are so used to, uh, that they don't want to put in the time and effort or that they start putting in the time and the effort and then they sort of question Reality well, maybe, it's them in the well, face. Maybe, maybe this isn't what really makes me happy as well. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in, in doing a particular thing in life, like game development, someone, some kid, 18 year old, Oh man, I love games. I'm going to go to game school, get my degree, blah, blah, blah. And they go into the industry and they realize now it's actually turned to a job that I'm not really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Think about how many developers you know that are working on games they don't give a shit about that are doing something for that game, you know, whether it's uh, actual design or or if they're an artist in some way, they're doing something that they don't care. Most of the people I know in the industry, that is their situation. They're not working on passion projects. They're not doing maybe specifically what they now you guys are leads and, and maybe it's different for you, but you know, you know, the situation. I know you, you guys know tons of people that are probably in that similar, but it's a, it, it is a job. Now, I have a saying, which is, you know, it's better than digging ditches in the hot sun and, and and, and I always compare what I'm doing to that sort of because I'm not very good at the physical labor and 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 that kind of thing. So that's like my ultimate nightmare job. Um, and so, you know, it, it, yeah, you could still work at a game dev company. Say you're, uh, uh, you know, an artist and, and yeah, maybe you're only doing a 3D model for, for a chair. But still, maybe that's better than digging ditches in the hot sun or working some job that you would hate. But it's not – I think a lot of people see – industries like game development or anything else that's entertainment based and just see the rock star side of it or the, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, you're going to get people loving you and, and, and loving your podcast and all this positive feedback or whatever. But the reality once, and, and once you reach that hump, it's like when you start working out in the gym again for the first time, you know, you go, you're excited for the first week, the second mm-hmm. week, you're still excited, but you're like, Oh, this is going to suck. Third week. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this ever again. But if you push through it, you know, that fourth week or the next month, 
it's part of your life. It's it's habit or whatever. Yeah. And that's people, really okay. that's really the same thing for this. Yeah, people uh, do what I say is they see the last domino. And what yes. I mean by that is they're like, wow, this guy is buff. And they're like, how do I get buff? And he's like, well, I go to the gym and I work out. So they're like, okay, cool. If I go to the gym and work out, I will have this. And that's like they see the last domino. It's like, yeah, but listen to what he said. He goes to the gym and he works out. That's like a consistent thing that you have oh, yeah. to maintain for many years. There's hard work. There's sacrifice. There's discipline. So, yeah, Nothing all the listeners out there. Well, I was just going to say nothing is as important as consistency. A lot of important things, but that's one of the most important. Yeah, there's a lot of listeners out there who just see the last domino. And I just want to say right now, look at all the dominoes. Look at the first one that starts the chain reaction and then the last one and and everyone in between. And and I think the hardest thing to do is just start Mm -hmm. whatever it is you want to you want to you want to step the bitch and, and then. Once you at least commit, just, you know, following that consistency and all, again, just sort of asking yourself, uh, can I do this better? And why am I? And I think it's a good question. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And then take that reason and apply it, you know, and whether it's uh, we see a lot of like gamers and Twitch streamers that want to do Twitch, right? Uh, want to stream and all this. Well, why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you like to game? Are you doing it because it's a social? Maybe you suffer from depression and you want to, you know, uh, have an out, right? Um, because that's something we see a lot uh, in gamers. Um, maybe you want to be that rock star, but either way, it's just committing and asking yourself, why am I doing this and applying that? Yeah. Uh, well, touching on that, uh, the social networking part like um, building a product. So you're investing yourself, you're doing your side project, you're building up a product, something of quality, right? So you have something now. And this kind of goes back to what you guys are doing now, community management. So social networking didn't really come in the industry in any way, I feel, until like 2008 when Facebook or all these Instagrams started coming out. So like it's relatively a new type of job in every company. Like usually publishers kind of take care of marketing for the game and that's it. Mm -hmm. Now companies themselves have a community manager or inside their studio, they have a dedicated person who's keeping up and building a a community for their studio, basically. Absolutely. Um, How... Like you guys like definitely went through a year of grueling dedication. Um, I, I want to ask you guys like what were the struggles and how did you guys get over that hill to get to a point where you have like we have something here so that now we're going to try to grow it through social networking or anything. Oh, I honestly don't know that it would have happened if it wasn't, you know, if we didn't have this franchise that both Phil and I love. I mean, there was so much passion in it. That's really how we got through it. I mean, when it got to the hard times, it was really about just we love this thing so much. I mean, you know, I think we're in a unique situation. Uh, We still are fanboys of the franchise. Um, We just get to work on it now directly and and be a part of it. but it was more than that. I mean, it was just, you know, Phil and I both have a drive. Um, we want to do bigger, better, more. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was just so much fun. It's been such an amazing five, six years. I can't imagine having done anything else or, yeah. uh, you know, like there's no point where I regret the branch, the decisions we made or the branch, the, the you know, the road we went down, the path we went down. Um, I think social media in itself has helped tremendously in, in everything we've done yeah. um, because it's been like, huge. you know, doing dedicated YouTube videos and then realizing the time investment in that and then realizing, hey, we still need a presence on YouTube, but we need to spend more time doing Twitch streams or to allow us if we dedicate more time to just Twitch uh, and then just creating a system to say, okay, after every single Twitch stream, I'm going to create highlights and then I'm going to export that to YouTube. And then once I get those, I'm going to post maybe uh, one or two videos on Reddit or I'm going to post them to Twitter and then I'm going to post to Facebook and hey, can we get a share from the, you know, MWO officially or, I mean, all of it sort of plays into it in itself. And one of the things that Darren's done in particular is sort of help take over and, uh, you know, sort of the PR and marketing via Twitter and Facebook on the official side of things, because we YouTube. saw, uh, yeah, we saw on the outside that here's 
you know, Piranha Games uh, is not utilizing these assets as as best they could okay. from our point of view as fans of saying like, hey, you know, there's this league tournament going on. Why are we not, Pushing you know, sharing it. that? Yeah. And, and you know, I will say it was a struggle because back in the day, IGP was in full control of all that, uh, the publisher. And, and uh, having that middleman was very difficult and it was a difficult environment to work in, even though that was what allowed us to start. Mm-hmm. We realized having um, a publisher in that light, and unfortunately, we ha- we were working with a lot of people in that publisher that did not have a lot of experience at all e- in gaming and or even with the IP. So mm-hmm. once that separation happened and uh, we started doing work directly for PGI and... We're I know that's confusing. Sp- IGP, PGI, but <laughs> yeah, right. um, Piranha Games, and and now you guys think- are just making it up, <laughs> right? I mean, and, and, yeah. Basically, the, the social networking is uh, you know a daily thing. There, there's the upside is if you're very active, it can be very effective. The downside is that you have to be very active. So literally, the moment I get up in the morning, I'm checking all the you know who made Twitter posts in the last couple hours. Who do I need to retweet? You know, because I am doing the official um, Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. I'm doing our Twitter, YouTube. So I immediately have to see everybody. You know, and then all through the day and all the way till I go to bed. And even when I go on vacations, you know, I got my phone and I'm retweeting and. So it's a 365, 24-7 type thing, but it can be very effective if you use it all. And like Phil said, I mean, we took advantage of everything that we could possibly do to get the word out there, and we still do today. And and you asked specifically what helped you get over the hump, and 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 I've got a few just key um, notes here. Emails and or comments on YouTube from listeners and or viewers, Mm -hmm. and I'm not shitting you, I can pull up a few, that basically said... I stopped playing this game. I ran across one of your YouTube videos and podcasts. I started listening. I saw your positivity. I saw the way you were explaining things. I saw that, or, hey, you know, you guys have, we've had a few that literally, you know, um, like gut wrenchers where like, hey, you know, you guys mm-hmm. have saved my life. I, I and, and you don't even. Like, we're not calling ourselves heroes, by the way. I just want to make that clear. It, it's very, it's a very, <laughs> <I'll call you. laughs> it's, it's, it's a very surreal experience to get an email saying like, hey, I was battling this disease or this or blah, blah, blah. And I was able to tune into your Twitch stream. You engaged me. You've like in all these type and like. To me, Touching it was one of those lives is amazing and, and absolutely the best part of it, you know, and, Sorry and I think that, that that no, I think that's that's what's really is is knowing that you're always going to have haters. You're always going to have negative out there in the community, toxicity and all this. And we can't control that. But what we can control is our mission, our objective, be that positive influence. And and, you know, when you get an email like that. And when you get when you get the support from these people as well, whether it's just uh, the engagement, you know, comments or, uh, you know, subbing to your channel or following you or liking you on Facebook, whatever it is, um, it means a lot. And that your name means a lot and that, you know, they you know, we can take pride in knowing that, you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> not, not to like, not, yeah. Sorry, like drop a you know a heavy no, no, no. one. It, it's here, definitely but. great. Like, the band I mean, obviously we're not everything. curing cancer. I don't want to put what <laughs> Phil said out of perspective. But you're talking about community management. Yeah. I have to say. I think that MechWarrior Online and, and the MechWarrior and the Battletech community is one of the best communities in the world. Um, I've been a part of a lot of games. I've been a gamer my entire life. I've been a part of a lot of communities. I think there's a lot of toxicity out there with the anonymous factor of the internet. Mm. Um, and and But I get time and time again, I bring new YouTubers into our game. I bring new Twitch streamers, whatever. They find us themselves. And I swear a hundred times or more, I get comments about how amazing our community is. And I have to agree. And mostly I think that's because again, the franchise started in 83. There's a lot of older people in our community, thirties, forties or whatever. Um, and so that keeps it alive. And, and I think keeps it a little bit different than maybe a league of legends, you know, people that are used to that community or other similar communities. So it's there's it's been there's been a real you know 
connection between Phil and I and the community. We've been here for five years. Some of them we knew from legal uh, from Living Legends, so six years and and beyond. Um, and and so we've grown close with the community. And and so that feedback and touching people's lives, helping them on their commute, whatever it is, you know, from serious to silly or whatever, that feedback has been amazing. All right, my turn. So what I want to know is, and forgive that interruption, the way that I look at the game, being so old, and I don't mean to say old like, oh, it's old and terrible. I remember, I think I was in high school, uh, Mech Warrior 2 was like my first <laughs> Mech Warrior game. That's and where so many people came into it. I, and I was even listening to your episode recently where you were talking about that, so I thought you would get a kick out of adding one more to that list. Mm -hmm. But, like, so many mech or even mech-inspired games or even, like, Gundam games have, like, come and gone, right? But your sure. community is still there and still persistent. Do you feel like your series... Like, what would you attribute, I guess, the longevity to, if not the community? Is there something else about the game where people are like, man, look, we just like Mech Warrior because it does X, Y, and Z very well? Um, yeah, I mean, mech games are not easy you know there's there's been um some others that have come out uh phil what's the one i'm i'm thinking of that are you talking about hawken yeah hawken titanfall uh, titanfall yep. um it's 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 hard mechs are a hard sell and and you know even with titanfall that you know most people didn't play the mech game mode people went to the infantry mode and so um i think the difference is that mech warrior is a very different mech game it's it's North American mechs, as opposed to Japanese style mechs, mainly that that you know they're not as nimble. They're not flying across, you know, juking and jiving back and forth. They're big, stompy robots. They're you know up to a hundred tons, and they they have that you know feeling of of weight. And so I feel like compared to other mech games, it's very unique, um, and and very specific. And I do think I do attribute it to the fact that it's been around since '84. I mean, we're 30 plus years of this franchise. Like I said, over 100 novels, um, you know, a bunch of video game iterations and titles, uh, tabletop, which is still going on strong. Um, I do think it's because it's been around. I, it's got tons of history and lore. Um, you know, it's like Game of Thrones, basically the, the politics with giant battle mechs and and missiles and lasers and and auto cannons. What's not to love now? Obviously, there's stuff not to love for a, a lot of people. It's not. It is a niche game. But for the people that are into it, man, when we when this when the announcement of MWO came out, there were still people playing Mech Warrior Four, which came out in 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. So you're talking a decade of people playing a game that wasn't re receiving continued support. It was just the mm -hmm. player base that was keeping it alive. So it's really a passionate, passionate community. I think that makes this succeed. Yeah. Um, and I got into it because of the novels. I mean, that was my first experience into the Battletech universe. So um, I think for me, at least, it was this connection to the lore first and then realizing, oh, shit, I can see this on my computer. Oh, crap, there's that mech they're talking about in the novel. Like, you know, oh, no, I'm piloting it. You're like, oh, I'm, you know, and I did. I My very first uh, was multiplayer Battletech online on AOL mm -hmm. and then MechWarrior 2. But I, I think that's what it is. It's it got me when I was like 12 years old and you same, you know, if, if you're in high school, you're, you're in your teenage years. I think I related to, uh, the clans more, uh, right. Because that warrior cast be a badass, right. You, you know, you're the top of the top. You're, you know, um, you're the ace guy. Um, and you know, I think for me at least that, uh, I don't know, there was just something in it. And, um, yeah, I can definitely say, uh, you know, mechs, uh, Titanfall, for example, we actually played Titanfall and really liked it. The problem was there was no customization at all. Um, okay. The well, slight customization, but yeah. Oh, you got to choose the weapon and the mech, yeah. but that was that was it. And but they did some amazing things, like the AI interaction coming around a corner. Oh, we got to support our commander. Come on! Or you'd be like on the ground with your rifle. You come around the corner, dude's being choked, you know, in a chokehold, and he's like screaming for help. That was really cool, and that's that sort of uh, you know uh, immersion factor. But from a mech standpoint, there was nothing there. And even with the new Titanfall two. I think there's a lot of lacking and it's funny because I, I think what's going to ultimately happen is the exact same thing. People are just going to want the sort of parkour, uh, you know, infantry experience, which uh, Call of Duty basically took and ran with the whole jump jump packs. They saw what was really successful, I think, in Titanfall <laughs> one and said, you know, dude, people are loving this shit. And then, hey, why not? I mean, it's, a you know, and next thing you know, they 
it, there i think it was the the call of duty what was it black Ops? i don't know whatever advanced which war. one it was advanced war yeah um which I, can, is, I can neither confirm nor deny yeah um <laughs> Uh, too close to too close to the sun uh, no yeah, no well, you can say whatever you want yeah no so was your involvement so but uh yeah no i think uh i i think from a mech perspective you've got like the anime side which is right gundam robotech all mac all those things and uh it's I'd a like different demographic as well I'd like to add also our our demographic, as Phil was saying, is also extremely international. This is a very popular title in like the European region, Oceanic. Um, it's the, the BattleTech franchise, Mech Warrior franchise, etc., is very international, and that helps too. Like literally, probably half our player base is, is Americas, and half is is yep. worldwide. And so, Germans uh, and love it. Yeah, Germans, Europeans, uh, Australians. So it's it's really that helps too. Um, we're just in the middle of a huge tournament, a uh, huge cash prize official tournament, and uh, we just finished the regional finals with within Europe and Oceanic regions. And there's just just amazing dedicated units and and players are all around the world. So I don't know that it's it's one thing, but I definitely think the history is a huge part of it. Over 30 years of of the franchise being around uh, creates some very loyal followers. Now, would you say with how long you've been playing, especially the role that you're playing in the game and kind of being a liaison between the company and the community, do you notice that there are any like superstar caliber pilots out there that like, oh man, you know, Nightsmith is on, let me go watch one of his games. Like, you know what I mean? Like, are you, well, are there those standout pilots that exist? Phil, let me, I, I'm going to, I'm going to. Yes, Phil is one actually. Phil's no one way. of them. Are you serious? <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Now, now I'm not going to say he's the best in the game, although he's right up there top 1%, no doubt about it. Um wow. Phil's an amazing player. He's got that hand-eye coordination and I think also his military training as far as like situational awareness uh helps him a lot. He's one of those people that drops into a match and he's a drop caller. He helps, you know, guide all the kind of the chickens with their running around with their heads cut off. He he he's really good at that. Um so Phil is one of those top tier players. He's amazing, and uh, yeah, that's go, why Phil. I definitely suggest checking out his videos on our YouTube page. But yeah, there's players within the community. Like I just said, we're we're working on that uh, worldwide tournament right now. Uh, we're meeting up in December December third up in Vancouver. We're flying in teams from around the world. We're having our finals up there, and so there's amazing players. I'll shout out right now to Proton. He's one of the best uh, in the game. The guy he's is a, amazing. He's a, ro he's a robot. That's, that's the dude plays is. like a robot. I feel like he's at, you know, he becomes one with the game, but he's a young guy. He's, he's, he's from Russia, you know, and he streams uh, the game quite often and he's on webcam. You know, he's not cheating. You can, you can watch him from a first player perspective and you can just see the skill oozing from him. He pulls off shots and maneuvers that are insane. And I'll tell you, you know, if it sounds like I'm getting excited, it's because I am, I get hyped by these guys. You know, like I said, I'm 44. My hand-eye coordination is not what it was, but I still love playing the game have a lot of fun have some success but seeing these guys that are amazing you, you know watching other games top mm -hmm. uh, tier skill players it's just yeah. they have something it's with that you know their speed and and situational awareness and and just pulling off incredible shots uh yeah they're out there amazing players See, little did you guys know, I am a, a top one percenter in NBA 2K. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm terrible at that game. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest things that you guys are mentioning too, like, and this goes all the way back to how you guys got into it, and this goes all the way to how you guys became successful. It's like, yes, it's the niche market, but like dedicated hardcore people stuck all the way through and you know maintain this community uh up to this point like it was uh it, it has a lot of similarities with people who want to go indie right um mm -hmm. and like just finding a market that they uh well pretty much a market finding them uh on what they like like i, I feel like uh we're in a weird spot that i'm starting to see some smaller studios are kind of like blurring the line between a triple a and a, a indie it's like triple sure. i 
right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are you guys? <laughs> what are you guys doing? Like, someone well, you know why off. that happens, right? Yeah, it's yeah. because indie stuff becomes popular. So it's just yeah. like Hollywood. You see all these in, indie uh, movie studios come out. Their their indie movies get popular, and then what happens? All the big studios start yeah. buying out all the indie studios, yeah. and then they're calling their movies indie, but they're not really anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty much all the Kickstarter campaigns that mm-hmm. like come in saying like, oh, we just need validation for this project, <laughs> and then they have like millions of dollars already backed up. So to be make Shenmue three for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> now we were we were uh, fundraised. We were uh, kickstarted as well. Not kickstarted. It was our own thing, but uh, same kind yes. of idea, right. deal. But yeah, I mean, this is very much the whole existence of Mech Warrior is because of the community, mm-hmm. uh, the reason it got launched and started, and the reason that it's still here today. Well, and, and and to go back, they actually couldn't find a publisher. Um, they came out in 2009. They released this, like, uh, theatrical trailer, if you will. Um, like, hey, this is what we want to create. Well, they didn't get shit for publishers. Um, and that's why they had to, uh, you know, with friends and all that, form IGP and create their own publisher to get it off the ground because – no, nobody out there because well, at the time they were pushing another single player campaign, they, they purchased the license from Microsoft who owns the, the whole uh, mech warrior uh, license. And then they wanted to launch a single player game, but none of the publishers had any interest outside of consoles. They wanted everything to be consoles at the time. Uh, they weren't interested in a PC title. They weren't interested in single player Mechs and things that were popular then, uh, you know, world of tanks was taken off and, and, and mm-hmm. had success. So basically Russ looked at the market, looked at what was possible out there, saw the free to play market growing and expanding with, like I said, World of Tanks, and just decided to apply that to uh, Mech Warrior, and that's where this took off. I mean, the the idea caught fire, and uh, like I guess they they did set up their own publisher to work with, and got crowdfunded. So, you know, it's a <laughs> amazing, amazing process, and very difficult, and uh, but but it's been worth it. Yeah, I'm I'm always a fan of hearing people going kind of against the grain. Like I feel too many people hear what's popular and they kind of like, oh, if I do that, like you know, you guys started and a few podcasters kind of started after you guys or were inspired by you guys. But like, I feel a lot of people fall into that trap where if they see something that is uh, resounding within the community, they tend to copy instead of trying to look internally. And instead of externally of what actually they oh, want yeah. as a person. And that's Absolutely. that's the one that keeps you consistent. That's the one that keeps you at night uh, talking to a guy uh, every week, one hour, and not really <laughs> liking him, you know? It's like <laughs> these are the driving force that makes you really push past that year, push past that two years. And mm-hmm. a lot of it, too, even to the very point where you guys were officially professionals getting paid to do this fan project that you guys always want always wanted to do it was you guys going up to them saying like we know we're hot shit and you guys know it too so let's <laughs> those were our exact words <laughs> <laughs> let's not beat around the bush all right <laughs> yeah but yeah a lot of that is still self-driven all the way to the end so yeah congrats. yeah absolutely well, we are near that point, but I definitely want Larry. No way! To- are you serious? No, I know. I want Larry to talk about this. One last question, just to help our community out there. Just anyone who's interested in doing something, and you guys have so much wisdom. And mm-hmm. even when you guys were talking about doing Facebooking just to go to Twitch and to YouTube, like all these social networking, it gives me a headache. Just trying to mm-hmm. keep up with what everything does now. So. Listening to us gives a lot of people headaches, no doubt about it. <laughs> hey, I, I really quickly, because I feel like we're not going to be able to touch on the subject and totally understand you guys have time uh, time limits, but you, you, you know, part of the discussion tonight was community management. And while that's one of the hats that Phil and I wear uh, most definitely, it's, um, you know, there is an official community manager, Tina, at uh, PGI, and she does a great job, and there have been several over the years since we've been with them. Um, and I think that this is a worthy topic for you guys to maybe get another community manager on that deals with these issues uh, more directly. But it is a hard-ass job, man. Being a community manager, it, you know, in a popular game, not popular game, doesn't matter. It is a very stressful, um, can often be very depressing uh you know, emotional, you have to be, the problem is when you're a community manager, you have to have empathy for people. You have to, you have to care. Um, but then the, the flip side of that coin is that you have empathy, you care, but you also, again, you know, hitting on what I talked about earlier, 
uh, community toxicity, uh, the anonymous nature of the internet, you can take so much heat, personal attacks beyond belief, you know, bomb threats, everything. I've seen everything happen. And it is such a hard job. And so, like I said, I think it's a topic that it definitely uh, deserves further, uh, you know, a, a deeper look into it and so forth. But what I wanted to say, the only thing I really want to say is love your community managers out there, man, because, uh, and, and this goes for most devs, devs, I should say all devs. Why did I say most? Am I thinking about anybody in particular? I don't think so. It goes for all devs. They're people, you know, and that's been the other thing that we, has been a goal of ours over the five years is humanizing the devs that we're working with because people, I think, take it for granted, uh, especially access that you have to devs these days. When I was a kid, man, and I was buying games, I'd walk into the game store, Fry's Electronics or whatever out here in California, and I'd, you know, shelves of games. I'd look at the screenshots on the back. You buy the game. You don't buy the game. You take it home. If you don't like it, well, fuck you. It doesn't matter, man. That's the game that they released. You don't get tell the devs that they should have done it this way or that way or yeah, to fix yeah. this or that. You got the game that you got. These days, there's so much transparency and communication. I feel like it could be a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certainly good things about it, but there's certainly bad things about it. And I just, I, I guess the biggest thing is just remember that developers, whether you're talking about the, you know, the lead game designer, the the president or the CEO, um, the, the community managers, the testers, everybody, they're people. They have feelings. You want them to have feelings. Don't make them get hardened hearts because they have that's the only way to you know deal with communities and so i do actually feel like that's a very important topic and a very important issue um you know but and i'm not complaining i love it i love dealing with the community but there's it's it's really a a, a big thing it's it's not easy it's not an easy job so all you podcast listeners out there today tuesday is international hug a community manager day that's right <laughs> hr is going to lower the red flag you are allowed to go out and hug your community manager today and yeah. tell them that game dev unchained podcast and no guts no galaxy sent you that's right <laughs> yeah man I'm really props to those guys I and mean, community managers have been fired over tweets so it's, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a tweet and you like that's like 10 tweets a minute so you don't know which one's gonna get your ass can it's it's insane. oh yeah i think yeah, i think i think social media in in itself is some, or, or just game development itself is something that we as gamers were we're not used to and i feel like that's been one of the difficulties too yeah is you know because the instant gratification aspect of it and uh in the anonymous factor now but uh why do i have to wait what's taking you guys so long Don't, can't you just hire more people to do it and you know all these type of things that um I didn't get to see the development or interaction of MechWarrior 2 or 3 or 4, but now that you're seeing the development process because it's a free-to-play title, uh, you know, it goes from a sort of bare-bones product and they start adding on. Well, you go with the highs and the lows of that. Well, we as consumers, we're not used to that. Just give me my iPhone 7. I don't want to be a part of the, you know, development process and then, the you know, the Q&A process. Hey, my phone just exploded, you know, sort of thing. No, you just want the end product. And um, I feel like uh, as gamers... It just, we haven't matured with that. And I think the, um, I guess the market in itself, then the, the studios, they're just now catching up. Some are doing it better than others. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the difference too between the small studios is they can be more flexible than some of these big juggernauts that are out there. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Less bureaucracy. <laughs> mm. It's definitely right. a double-edged sword. Uh, just one last comment. It's definitely, like you mentioned before, it's definitely a, a double-edged sword to have that the accessibility between a gamer and a game developer. But mm -hmm. uh, I can see a lot of benefits. Uh, it's oh, really yeah. happening, right? Just just a direct connection and the direct publishing of a uh, of a dream project. So. Amazing changes have come to our game yeah. due to direct feedback from our community. So I love it. I'm not against it. It's just, you know, like I said, and you said, double-edged sword. <laughs> well, gentlemen, if you all look at your synchronized watches or your met clocks, whatever it is that's on your desk, <laughs> you will notice that we have been podcasting for about an hour now. Ding, ding, ding. And we have a special reward for you. Are you guys ready? Uh, my body's myself. ready. 
so we're going to give you guys up to two minutes to talk directly to our audience to promote to shout out to thank to raise awareness or draw attention to anything that you care about love or just know that needs awareness uh this is our gift to you for bringing us this wonderful podcast episode and we thank you very much so audience meet the guys guys meet the audience excellent phil you want to take it you yeah first 60 seconds yours go just want to say first, thank you to Larry and Brandon for uh, the podcast being on here. You guys are awesome. Again, um, now I'm going to have to listen to podcasts. I was introduced via, you know, Darren over here. Um, and of course, a quick shout out to all the, you know, your guys' listeners. And, uh, you know, you guys, I like I like the duo chemistry you guys got going on here. I like it. I can dig it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, NoGutsNoGalaxy.net. Um, you can find our YouTube, Twitch information, Facebook, and all that. Um, and again, I just want to say thank you to all of our fans that listen to this as well. And uh, um, let's see, is it twitch.tv forward slash NGNGTV? I stream on a daily yes. basis. And we also stream the podcast at 9 p.m. Eastern. It's live, so you get to see all the screw-ups on webcam and everything. Plentiful. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's also a, a, a bonus uh, because then we don't have to wait four or five days for Darren to edit, you know, because I can just export directly to YouTube. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you guys, uh, gentlemen, for having us on here. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, of course. Yeah. And likewise, I'd like to uh, thank you both, Larry and Brandon. Um, that's right, right, Brandon? Yeah, Brandon. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> your, your name isn't on the Skype, so it's harder for me to. Uh, but anyway, thank you guys. I did introduce Phil to your podcast, and as well as our listeners, I pointed them your direction as well. Big thank you to you guys. And you guys are doing a great thing. Um, I'm, I will continue listening. I saw you had a new one come out today or yesterday. Uh, I will listen to that. So thank you. Um, and we will direct our listeners your way. Uh, my only shout out, uh, Phil mentioned it, nogutsnogalaxy.net, but also check out, if you want to check out the game, mwomercs.com. It is free to play. Um, also, we have right now going on our uh, MechWarrior Online World Championships 2016. Huge tournament. It's going to uh, end in on December 3rd in Vancouver at MechCon. Uh, Catalyst Game Labs will be there with the tabletop. Harebrain Schemes will be there with their version a Battletech uh, video game coming out. We, of course, will be there. It's going to be a huge event, a uh, huge party, December 3rd. You can check that out, mwomercs.com forward slash mwowc2016. And I think that's it. Thank you to all of our listeners and yours. We appreciate you guys having us here. Man, that was the best one. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I, I got to say it again, man. It's like, it's so nice to have professional podcasters on this. <laughs> Phil and I are looking at each other going professional. Yeah, I don't know. This is, and he has, he has the voice, you know, you know, that not to I have a voice for radio, but I also have a face for radio. You know, so it's, it's like <laughs> another double-edged sword. I can't compete against that. I've, you know, so like, you keep using the word professional. I don't think it means what you think. Uh, what it do means. You think I don't, I don't think we're ever going to consider ourselves professional, but it's fun. That's awesome. Nice. And well, Hey, um, just so everyone knows, my name is Larry Charles. Thank you very much for listening to the Game Dev Unchained podcast. And I'm the first to jump off the diving board. Good night. What's up, everybody? See you guys next week. Oh, do we go now? No, no, no. I think he's ending it. <laughs> oh, see, go ahead and say bye. Go ahead and say bye. See you guys. Thank you. <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.